Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Robshaw, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpmedia.co.uk. Yorkshirepost.co.uk As mentioned earlier in the intro, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshaw. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. So, uh, this week we'll just be rounding up the season for our teams and looking forward to the possible transfer activity in the coming weeks. Um, Let's start off in the Championship uh, and a hugely disappointing playoff final for Huddersfield Town. Um, In a tense and closely fought game, an unfortunate own goal by Levi Colwell was the difference on a day when luck deserted the Terriers. Um, Two seemingly perfectly good penalty claims were turned down by the referee. And, and VAR, and Huddersfield Town must now uh, resign themselves to another season in the Championship. In spite of the defeat, uh, Carlos Corbran's team have far exceeded any expectations for the season. Will they be hopeful uh, of another good season, Stuart? I think they should be. I think I think the you know the platforms that is in place there. I mean, you you know you you sometimes see with teams. Uh, it, it can go one way or the other. Really, they can they can uh, miss out via the playoffs, and and it can sort of cause the breakup of the team, or you know it can sort of really damage the morale of the team. And and in other other seasons, you can see a team really kick on and sort of use the use the disappointment as as fuel to go one one better next season. And I think the thing for I think the thing for Huddersfield is that. The foundations are, are all there in place. I mean, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the fact that this is a this is a really good team rather than than a team of stars. And you know, one of the sort of um, positives of that is having fewer fewer sort of star names means there'll be less players that the big clubs are looking to pick off. You know, I'm, I'm sure Lewis O'Brien will be in demand. Uh, Sober Thomas may well be. Lee Nichols may well be. But it's you know. It, you, you don't you don't feel that, that there's there's that many that many sort of star names that 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 Premier League clubs are going to be able going to be sort of queuing up to pick off, but at the same time there, there are some really good players there, and as a combination they're excellent. We've sort of praised them to high heaven all year long about the quality of their recruitment. If they can re- recruit as well this summer, there really is the possibility for them to get better and better under under a under a really good coach, and, and if, for argument's sake, they were to lose O'Brien, will that put some money in the pot to actually to actually do the re- recruitment with? So I think, obviously, disappointing to to lose any final. Disappointing, as you said, because of the because of the sort of um, the, the the two penalties turned down, and you, you know the uh, the sort of VAR involvement, stroke non-involvement, uh, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. The second one, exactly. I mean, you know, you do have to balance it by pointing out that 
Huddersfield didn't have a shot on target in the game. So there's, there's only there's only so much sympathy you can give them. But but nevertheless, you know th- those moments could have could have really changed the game. You'd hope they get, they get a shot on target if they had two penalties. Um, but yeah, I, I, in spite of the way it ended, we've got to remember it's as as you said, Mark. It's a season that's vastly exceeded expectations. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like the end, it needs to be the end of the line for this squad. It feels like there's there's scope in there for it to keep keep developing and keep growing. So I'd be I'd be optimistic if I was a Huddersfield fan at this point. Hmm. Yeah, there's def- I think there's definitely uh, another chapter. You sort of look at the sides who uh, are coming down as well. You know, Burnley have you know they've got issues with the leverage buyout by the look of it, and having to pay pay uh, a fair chunk back. Um, obviously now they've been relegated I know there's I've seen some stuff the last few days about, about Norwich and maybe getting investors in so there's nothing really that frightening there is there? there's not a Newcastle or a, or a, or a Leeds or an Everton who, who, who've gone down there and uh, yeah it's been an outstanding story at Huddersfield there's some interesting comments this week from from Lee Bromley the head of, head of football operations but interesting that he spoke about to you know, getting the foundations, if you like, sorted out last summer when they did business nice and early, basically sorted out the the back four, if you like, or, or the back three, brought Lee Nichols in. That that sort of area of the pitch looks looks well catered for. And now there's obviously talk about further up the pitch, you know, and, you know, in some of those games, like on obviously in the playoff final on, on Sunday, they, it just sort of lacked a li- little bit in... Key offensive area, didn't they? But you know, if the, if the quality of the recruitment is anything like as successful as it was last summer, they've got to look at some, you know, more more offensive option, and that really will add something to, to to Huddersfield and build on what they've got. It's been really really sensible and uh, and smart, you know, the uh, sort of building a team from the, you know, the, the building the foundations first, if you if you like, and they've done that. And you know, the comments as well from from Bromby, he, he was talking about. You know, if players do go, that's a sort of price of the, of the success almost. And you know, we never spoke about individual players, but you know, I think you can read between the lines and and certainly include Lewis O'Brien in that bracket. And I'd be amazed if um, there wasn't some you know Premier League bids for him this this summer. You know, he's been one of the most outstanding players in the Championship all season, and he's also versatile. He's a good age, so that might be a, you know an, an issue. With, with O'Brien potentially going, but you know it looks like that the, the sort of recruitment department will have the contingencies and, and they'll have targets and, and players in mind. And, and as Stuart said, if, if they get a big, big decent sized fee for for um, for O'Brien, they'll in, they'll invest some of it. So yeah, loads to look forward to. Quite, you know, I, I think we said after the match on um, on Sunday, it can be quite hackneyed to say, well. They've had a good season. They can they can go again, but you really do think that with Huddersfield, they've got one of the sharpest coaches in the division. Um, they recruit very well. There's a a brilliant team ethic there. You know and the fact that I don't think the division looks. Um, it's obviously a competitive division, but I don't think it'll be as as scary as it sometimes is. If you like next season, that if things align again, I don't see any reason why. Huddersfield can't be in the certainly in the uh, in the scene there at the top. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Huddersfield are doing, you know that they're, they're building bit by bit, and if you're going to build something that's that's going to last, 
it's, it's going to take a while. I said, if, if you look at what Lee Bromby said and you look at what they actually did in the transfer market, they only really did half the job. They only did part one. They sorted out the defensive side. In terms of attacking recruits, they only really signed Jordan Rhodes. That's not a criticism of them. I'm just you know, making the point that they, they did that bit then, they're doing the next bit now. So if you're, if you're only at sort of stage one when you get promoted, you, that's kind of ahead of schedule anyway. It's probably no bad thing. You know, if they if they can, if obviously there's a lot of ifs in this, but if they can get the other side of it right, they'll go up in a, in in a stronger position. You know, uh, were they to do that? So yeah, I think I think it was always it was always slightly unrealistic to us to expect them to go up, but they were doing so many unrealistic things over the course of the season that you just couldn't rule it out. You know, and uh, and and you'd, you'd obviously never turn down the chance if it if it came your way. Um, but but hopefully you know we'll look back on this in the in the in the longer term and be saying you know twelve months twenty four months down the line we're actually actually taking that extra time and doing that bit of building help them and they will have a head start because you know as Leon said with Burnley's debts they're basically going to be starting again this season Watford uh, taking taking uh, the Forest Green manager they're 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 definitely at the start of a of a rebuilding phase. Again, as Leon says, if, if Norwich get new investment, they might be as well. So Huddersfield will be ahead of these teams in in terms of the in terms of the process of building. There's no, there's no guarantees come with that, but it's a it's a it's a better position to be in. Yeah, it looks like more than obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the the summer window yet across the championship, but it does look like one of those seasons where a few a few teams can come out of the pack if you like and, and have a have a very successful season you know we've not just seen with Huddersfield we had the year before with Barnsley and you know if, if the stars align you can get teams who, who were in the mix and you know if you had a if you had a sort of tick, tick list of sort of you know prerequisites to be a success in the championship I'd say that Huddersfield have, have got quite a lot of them and yeah, and you know, you look at them as well. I mean, they, they were really hard to beat when they lost, you know, lost twice in the league from the end of, end of November to the end of the season. That gives you a good head start as, as well. And if they can be anything like as obdurate, and then you know, add a few more options in the final third, they're going to be a, a side to to be wary of. Yeah, they, they they just need to be, you know, as that final show. They need to be more of a goal scoring threat in open play. But the encouraging thing is that they recognise that. You know, that's 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 part of the problem. Sometimes they, they recognise it. They're planning to do something about it. Now it boils down to, as I said earlier, and as Leon said, can the recruitment be as good as it was last time? Because if it is, you know, they'll go a long way to solving those problems. But as Barnsley showed, you know. You do have to once you've punched above your weight once. You do have to keep replicating that, and, and uh, it's it's easier said than done. But I think there's a I think there's a structure and a personnel there that um, that they are capable of doing it. Yeah, yeah. And um, after their playoff disappointment, Sheffield United appear to be making headway in the transfer market. With CEO uh, Stephen Bettis indicating that two deals are getting close. Um, Paul Hickenbottom has made it clear that he wanted new signings in as early as possible to give them the best chance for pre-season. Um, do you think there will be more arrivals and possibly uh, even departures, Stuart? Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, there will definitely be more arrivals because, frankly, they need to they need to make the numbers up for the for the players that have gone. I think I think there'll probably be more departures too. I mean, we talk about Lewis O'Brien at Huddersfield. 
I guess the main one at, at Sheffield United will be Sander Burke, who I'm sure, you know, given his, given his calibre and experience, won't want to be spending another team in the Championship. So it just boils down, as it did last summer, to is somebody going to come in and, and offer Sheffield United the, the amount of money where they're prepared to do business? But yeah, I mean, there isn't there isn't a manager in the land who doesn't want his signings in early and everybody in place by pre-season. But it is very difficult to do, and uh, you know those. That was one of the things that Huddersfield did terrifically well last season in terms of getting getting most of them in so early. Stephen Bettis talked the other day about that they are going to they are going to lean on the loan market to try and get a couple of really high quality players in. Well, again, that, that's very difficult to do early. Again, Huddersfield managed it somehow to get Levi Colwell in early, but generally these players don't become available until pre-season's out the way and, and the, the, the often until after the season started. So I don't, th- I don't think we'll see the full squad in place by the time the season starts. Of course, it's July this year because of the World Cup. Um, but they are, they are pressing ahead. They've got a bid in for... Uh, for one player, they've got an offer on the table for a free agent, um, so they, they, they're clearly they're clearly looking to get on with it. They need a bit of cover at centre back. They need more they need more options up front. They've been in this odd position for a couple of years where they've had lots of strikers and not enough striking options, um, just because of the calibre of the players. And, and, and now that now they let a few of them go, they definitely need some in. They'll obviously need to replace Berg if he goes. Um, with a bit of midfield creativity, and then they've got people, you know, then they've got options like um, Max Lowe, who played for Forest against Huddersfield the other day. He's been on loan, so he could come back into the mix. They'll hopefully have Jaden uh, Bogle fully fit, having had a really good sort of two thirds of the season before before he got injured. Um, so yeah, again, they're in, they're another club with the platform to go again, but I think I think they just need to evolve things a little bit because they, they they really relied last season on the on the Chris Wilder core of players and they still will do this season but they, they just need to they just need to be wary of not letting that group um, grow up together so they do need some some fresh young blood as well yeah they've been, they've been excellent using the the loan market Stuart haven't they last last few mm. years and you sort of go back to Gibbs White even before that you know Dean Henderson and you know, I've obviously still got the second year of parachute payments, but the other, the, the, I know, noticing the base interview, they're generating, you know, they, they can sort of go for players who are on decent money loan wise, and you know, from the from the Premier League, and they get a, a you know, they get a lot of money from one of the highest gates in the in, in the league, and I know you spoke about you know sponsorship money, this and that, so they've got some stuff to play with. I just think the sort of that calibre of loan signing that they're sort of in. You know they're in for. They'll be in there with, you know, a few of the other top championship clubs, and it's it's just trying to trying to go, convince, you know, the players and their agents, like they did with Gibbs White, to get those caliber of players. You know, two or three of those maybe um, to Bramall Lane. Cause I don't think they're, they're they're too far away. There's obviously players who were injured at the towards the end of the season. They probably will. You know, you, you mentioned Bergen. You know, you can't really. Um, it'd be a surprise to see him at, at Bramall Lane next season when they've got players to come back. They've got Billy Sharp, they've got Brewster, you know, a, a few others as well. So I, I don't think there's sort of need need to do too much to be in the in the shake up 
um, next season. But knowing Paul Heggingbottom, he'll he'll want it sooner rather than later. Um, in terms of you know, players coming in, you know, is that sort of that sort of manager? But yeah, I don't think they'd, they'd be too too far away if they can, you know, if they don't drag the heels and they can they, rec- they can recruit in terms of quality. Well, I think, you know, I think they've got a good chance. Yeah, I, th- I think the important thing for them as a club is that they feel like sort of um, financially they're they're back on a championship footing. You know, we saw it took Huddersfield two years really to to get to that point last summer where they were sort of able to operate as a, as a championship club. And, you know, the parachute payment is sort of helping that out in terms of um, paying the money they still owe on players like Aaron Ramsdale. But they, they feel like they're in a position where they don't, if they don't get an offer for Sanderberg, they won't have to sell him. They still will be able to, to bring in players. I think as things stand, they'll be on a fairly limited budget. But rumbling in the background, we've got this, Possibility and uncertainty yeah. about a, about a takeover. I mean, if if that could, if that were to go through, and that that's in some doubt, you know, the the fact that it's been dragging on so long. But if that were to go through, then that's that sort of bonus money, and that takes them to another level. But but without it, they're at a level where, you know, they, they've got they've got a, a, a decent or you know reasonable budget. Um, they're not sort of hemorrhaging money, and they've already got the makings of a good squad. So, um, so yeah, thing, things are on a things are on a on a decent footing for them. I say it's just waiting to see if it can get better. Still, really, I suppose they just got to crack on in the here and now, Stuart, haven't they? I mean, obviously, yes. uh, this guy's exclusivity finished, didn't it? And you know, it may happen, it may not, but it could. If you, if you sort of sat around waiting, it could it could easily be one of those summer where you sort of waited and waiting, and then all of a sudden you. You start the season, and you know you've you've hardly any new signings, and there were there were problems in that regard, you know, last summer, weren't they? So, you know, you just hope it's a little bit smoother in that regard for for Sheffield United, because you know we spoke about Huddersfield as well. It would be disappointing for disappointing for the Blazing what happened in the second leg at um, at Nottingham Forest, but I'd still venture that all things considered, they had a pretty good season, didn't they? Really, you know, even, even yeah. though there was disappointment, it was. I don't think too many were expecting them to to get in the the playoffs at the start of last season. Everything pointed towards transition and a, and a season of of con- consolidation. So they they did better than than most people thought in that regard. And yeah, uh, yeah it's just you're just trying to push on with it with a few a few more quality recruits in certain areas. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can you can talk about. You know, Slavici Kanovic and the the job he, he did or didn't do, but as Leon said, it, it, there was the uncertainty. They had all sorts of problems with COVID, which messed up their pre-season yeah. um, schedule. You know, they, they didn't do any. Tra- they were they were waiting and waiting on Arsenal to buy Aaron Ramsdale, and then didn't do any business until very late in the window. And the, the net result of all of that was that they gave the rest of the league a head start. You know, and Nottingham Forest were able to make up their head start. Sheffield United yeah. just fell short, but that's that's the thing for them. As you started by saying, Mark, they they want to get business done early so that they can hit the ground running. Mm. They can have a proper pre-season, and they're and they're firing in the in the you know first week of all. Well, as I said, in 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 the last week of July, rather than waiting till the first week of September, because this early start means there's yeah. even more games before the transfer window closes. And you know the advantage that clubs who get their get their work done early is is that much bigger. So they need to be one of them. Yeah, I mean you look you look at what they did last season in terms of um, you know, they had a, a a pretty 
disruptive and frustrating summer and they were still you know, only a couple of games away from promotion in the final analysis, weren't they? So if, the, if things can come together and it can be a bit smoother, then, you know, every chance. Uh, also in the Championship, Middlesbrough have let a number of players leave, including Sol Bamba, Lee Peltier and Neil Taylor. Um, apart from a rumour that Borough are interested in Reading's at Lucas Joao, um, there's been nothing official so far in terms of team strengthening. Um, do you see much activity from the Teesside club, Leon? Well, I, I think there's probably probably a, a, a big reason for that, Mark, to be honest. I mean, they were the, the sort of crux of what probably what Middlesbrough can do in, in the market is revolve, revolve around Jed Spence. I mean, he's the one of the, the hottest properties in the, in the Championship and most talked about players. He'd obviously gone out on loan um, to Nottingham Forest last um, start of last season. Got renewed in, in January and, you know, Middlesbrough have got another very, very talented player in his in his position on the right-hand side in Isaiah Jones. So, you know, Spence will will go in the summer. He'll be sold permanently. And, you know, Middlesbrough pretty much made no bones about that. And, you know, they'll just want to hawk him around and get the biggest biggest fee possible. I can imagine when, um, you know, when, the, when they actually saw, you know, Forrest get through get through and get promoted that the you know, people in the corridors of power at that Middlesbrough had, had a little bit of a, a smile on the face because the job now is to you know maximise what they can get from, from Spence I mean they're talking it's been talked 10, 15 million you know maybe a little bit, a bit higher even you know Tottenham have been linked with him obviously Forrest will make their pitch to, to bring him back on a, on a permanent basis Brentford as well so if Middlesbrough can get something like top dollar for um, for Spence, um, then you know it's going to it's going to fund their sort of you know transfer drive in the summer. I mean they need quite a there's a few areas there as well as Borough did. You know they didn't score enough goals last season. They had issues in goal, so they certainly need another another goalkeeper. They've, there's been talk of you know Joe Lumley and. Luke Daniels being available um, for transfer, even though there's there's nothing official. You know, none of them really overly convinced at the end of the day. And you need a top goalkeeper to get out of the get out of the championship. You know, a lot of talk of Carl Darlow at, at Newcastle, so we'll see how that one goes. But you know, they certainly need further up the pitch. They need at least two forwards, and you know, Lucas Giao's a name that's been punting about. Uh, the lad at Coventry who, who I saw last season, uh, Goy Perez, who I think is, a, is an excellent player. He's been linked with with Butter as well, uh, one or two others. But yeah, there's a bit of significant work for them to um, to do there. They obviously offered Johnny House in a a new contract. You know, for Middlesbrough's sake, they'll be hoping that he'll he'll sign there because even at even at sort of 33, 34. You know, he was arguably Middlesbrough's most consistent player last season, and he's certainly still got, you know, um, a bit to what a bit to offer for them. You, know, you look at Sheffield United as well; they've got some, you know, seasoned campaigners in that midfield who are still top top operators at this level. You know, likes of Norwood and and Fleck. So, you know, getting house and signed off will be in, important. But yeah, some key bits of of business for Borough, but I think it'll, it'll probably be, things will. Perhaps start to to move and, and the wheels will get in motion once once the, the situation with with Spence is is finalised. Hmm. 
yeah, I would imagine what's happening at the moment is Borough speaking to clubs and to players and saying, look, you know, if we if we get the money in, how much how much will you take for that player? So that hopefully, you know, this the Spence transfer gets sorted quickly. That might be that might be optimistic if there's if there's going to be a few clubs in, into him. But they they're probably just getting themselves in, into a position where the the minute uh, the minute he spends puts pen, pen to paper on a new contract, they can pick up the phone and say, right, okay, we'll go with that deal. Yeah, we'll meet your, your price on that deal. Yeah, we'll pay for that one. And bang, 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 we see a we see a chain reaction. But is that frustrating? time at the moment for supporters where you know you're desperately hoping somebody would go through but it's more a case of teeing things up than actually pushing them over the line unfortunately which um yeah is not it's not probably what borough fans want to hear like everyone else they want to get going but that is the reality of where they are right now yeah i think it'll be players out as well Stuart. i mean there's yeah i wouldn't be surprised if obviously martin piero came in no fair size transfer fees is um Struggled to make make an impact. To be fair, injuries have, haven't helped. He's, you know, he came from Argentinian football. I'm not really sure he's Chris Wilder's sort of player, so I wouldn't be totally surprised if he was sort of moved on. Whether that's on loan or permanent, I, I don't know. And you know, you've got to factor in with the forwards as well. They've got two forwards who, who've come back from loan spells. Um, Tuba Rackpom's still on on the books. He went back to um, um, to, to Greek football. Uh, last season, you know, to Panathinaikos, he's come back. He's clearly a player that um, middles would want to get rid of. Um, Uche Pezu as well. He, he was brought in, a, you know, a, a Neil Warnock sort of type of player, if you like, last summer from from uh, Wickham, strong target man. But he's just not the sort of player to that Chris that features in Chris Wilder's, Wilder's philosophy of football. He went to. He went on loan to Cardiff. He's now back in the building. So you would have thought they'll be trying to trying to get um, Igpezu out as well permanently. So you know, there's bit, there's trimmings and movements in the in the in the squad as well. And I think it'll be um, you know a decent freshening up there. And you know, Chris Wilder spoke in no uncertain terms about that after the after the final game of the season at Preston. And uh, although perhaps a little premature, uh, let's also consider Rotherham United's plans for the new championship season. Uh, Captain Richard Wood has agreed a new one-year deal uh, and the Millers have signed Charlton Athletic forward Connor Washington on a two-year deal. Uh, moving out is Freddie Ladapo, uh, who who was signed for Ipswich Town after his contract had, ex- uh, had expired. Surely the main task for Paul Warren's team uh, in the coming season is to avoid an immediate return to League One. Um, Stuart, what do they need to do uh, over the next few weeks to give themselves the best possible chance of staying up? Well, I suppose... I mean, I guess the thing about Rotherham is that they've basically been operating the same way for for the last couple of years and it's been very successful in League One and it's been found just wanting in the in the Championship. So you, you can either try and do the same thing or do it a little bit better because uh, they only just fell short when they were relegated last time or you look and see if you need to do things a bit differently. But, I mean, obviously there's, there's big uncertainties with, with Rotherham, you know, particularly about Michael Smith. I mean, that will that will influence so much in terms of in terms of determining what they need. But, yeah, I think they've I think they've just got to got to just try and give themselves a few a few different options you know maybe a maybe a bit of pace up front and and say another 
another target man if if Smith were to go. But obviously, if he stays, that that's great. That, that that's really good. But it's just about finding a bit more quality. But of course, they're, they're doing it within a tight budget. It's, it's easier said than done uh, to to do this. But they can't. You know, we've seen from Rotherham's history, and we've seen from the history of other clubs, you can't just go up with the same squad and expect to. You know, expect to to prosper because it is a big gap between those divisions. Those divisions, so they they do have to they do have to try and keep the best players. You know, Benny being another one, and, and just just add some add some real quality players if they've got some championship experience. Then 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 that's great. But um, we're not talking about a club that can can throw millions of pounds at it and um you know then they're, they're not in a situation like like Middlesbrough or like Huddersfield might be where there's one player who could go and free up all that all that money for them so um you, you know because with Smith and Benny's contract situations that they're not going to be able to command big fees despite you know having played so well for them so it's it's a difficult balancing act um but you know they they hopefully they've learned a lot from the last few seasons, they've got a really good manager there. They've got a good way of operating. You know, it's just about going. You know, they only need to be a couple of points better uh, than two seasons ago. So hopefully, they can they can make that gap. They they just need that season of consolidation so that they can then kick on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the, the one thing is that Paul Warren and the Rotherham board have, have certainly been here before, haven't they? They've, yeah. They know what it what it entails. I mean, I, I spoke to um, um, to Warren, you know, last month, and he was, you know, ever the realist. He said it's going to be the you know the hardest probably summer in terms of re- um, recruitment and this that and the other that he's probably probably had in his in his time there. I mean, the the championship doesn't change, does, does it? I mean, obviously Rotherham have it's the third uh, instant promotion back to the back to the championship from League One, but there's you know, there's the teams that, that pay wages there in a in a, in a totally different stratosphere to them, really. You know, people speak about Rotherham being similar to, you know, a, a Norwich. They'll go down, they'll go back up a bit of a yo-yo. But you know, don't forget when Norwich are doing that, but they're getting they're getting all the TV money as well. And even though, you know, Rotherham will, you know, earn more from being in in, in the Championship in that regard. You know, there's not really a, a pot of gold to throw a, a lot of money at it and. Um, it's it's going to be difficult. I mean, interesting. There's been some speculation about you know in, in investment from from out, outside investors at Rotherham. So that'd be interesting to see how that one pans out further down down the line. Because I, I think that's what Rotherham really really need to sort of to sort of kick on. He runs a very good financial ship, um, Tony Stewart. But there's there's a budget there and, and the balance the books and. It's difficult for them to attract that sort of next tranche of players, if you like. And you know, Warren spoke about bringing in players who are maybe at a little bit of a of a crossroads or are hungry and got something to prove at, at the championship level. And you know, maybe Connor Washington falls into that bracket. They've been linked with Tom Eaves at at, at Hull as well. He's someone that they've that they've been sniffing around um, before in, in January. I suppose he's another one as well, isn't he? And he's had had a chance at Hull. Um, not really be, had that sort of you know regular starting spot all season so maybe he's got something to prove one or two of the other players that they've been linked, linked with as well but I think the, the, probably the biggest thing would be if if they could somehow convince Michael Smith um, 
Smith to stay. It's, you know, he said he's out of contract shortly. He's 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 got several offers on the, on the table. There'll be clubs who are who are interested in him. But he's a real talisman for Rotherham, isn't he? And he's fundamental for the for the way they play. And you know, I just think it'd be such a psychological boost if he if he did stay. But can Rotherham compete with those you know other clubs in 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 terms of you know wages? And that's going to be the that's going to be the big thing. I mean, they've got an option on Ogbeni, so he's going to be. If nothing happens, he's going to be there for for, for next season. But yeah, it's all about it's all about recruitment, isn't it? And um, you know, Rotherham are competing with with clubs with um, a lot bigger resources, and they're just going to have to be have to be smart, smart, and just you know, hopefully a few you know shrewd loan signings as well. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, it, it really is difficult for Rotherham. You've got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's that's big for them as well. That you know the loan market. We obviously saw Jordi Osai too to come in and and do well at the second half of the season. But I, I think I genuinely think, and I, I'm not sure. I think this is wrong, but I, th- I think it's possibly harder for Rotherham to attract some of these top loan players than others because I think to some extent I think they've got a bit of an image problem in that they're they're. They're seen as this just very direct side, and to be fair, signing a player like Tom Eaves won't won't dispel that. And and you tend to find that some of the clubs, at least, like their players to go to a club where they think they're going to play pretty football and and, and more like Premier League football. And I, I think Rotherham's image is, is is out of kilter with with reality. You know, I think they are a better football inside than they get credit for. But I do think that makes it. I do think that image might might make it more difficult to to get some of these top academy players in. Hopefully, I'm wrong, and I say the fact that they, they they managed to get a good young kid from Arsenal last season. Hopefully, they can build on that. But if they can go down that route, that will obviously, you know, circumvent some of the some of the problems with the with the budget because that is the thing about lo- the loan market. You can get some quality players who you wouldn't ordinarily be able to afford, and if they can just get one or two. Uh, you know, to add add a bit of bit of craft, bit of garb, bit of pace, whatever it is, um, that that could that could really make a big difference for them. Yeah, yeah, I think. We, I mean, we've spoken about sort of you know early with Middlesbrough that um, you know Nottingham Forest going going up for them was a good thing. I'd sense for for Rotherham they were probably quite hoping that that Huddersfield had have gone up because obviously they got Romari Edmonds Green in last. Last season on loan, and you know, had an excellent, excellent campaign. But I, I can't really see him going back to um, to Rotherham with Huddersfield and Rotherham being in the same division. Whereas if Huddersfield had gone up, I could have easily seen that one. You know, he'd he'd had, he'd had his year in, in League One and then getting getting a chance in the Championship. So yeah, that's um, that's probably something that, that that Rotherham you know might suffer because he'd been the sort of player they'd been wanting to bring back, but. You know, yeah, I totally agree with Stuart. There is this perception image, and it, and it is wrong. I mean, he's done an outstanding job there, Paul Warren. They play more football than people, that, well, that football observers um, berate them for not doing. And, you know, a, a lot of players go there to Rotherham on loan, and, you know, they speak afterwards about, you know, the experience being invaluable in their in their young careers and really cherishing it and, um, and enjoying it and, you know, kicking on in their careers and, you know, you think that Rotherham would be a good, you know, a good place to go for some of these, you know, young talented players in in some Premier League clubs. You don't just learn about football; you probably learn a bit about, 
about life as well and with a with a great man manager and, and a, a terrific coaching team. So you just hope that they can Rotherham can find a few a few little diamonds there to go with the you know, maybe the those sort of players who are at a crossroads are a bit hungry wanting to prove themselves in the championship. Because I think the recruitment will probably be a little bit of mix of both those sort of brackets. And uh, Hull City have also seen the departure of three players with Richie Smallwood, Tom Huddleston and Tom Eaves all leaving after the retain list was announced. Um, they'll be looking to improve greatly on last season's league position, but what do they need to do to, to achieve that, Stuart? Well, it's not a million miles away from Rotherham in the sense that they've got they've got a foundation there of a really good team spirit and a, and a you know, good but let's be honest, limited, the league, the league table showed it was limited squad there. And they've got to sort of um, retain that chemistry whilst having some star quality. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that they're ambitious enough. And I, I, I think that the owners got, got the money that they will go after some some players with star quality. So I don't, I don't think that's that would be too big a concern. You know, inevitably he's been linked with a lot of players from the Turkish market. And you can see why... You know, with the Turkish owner and all the links, uh, those players would be would sort of um, disproportionately favour coming to to Hull over some some other maybe more glamorous, for want of a better word, Championship clubs. But it's about not not destroying what they've already got as well. You know, and, and I think they are conscious of that. I don't I, I don't think it's inevitable that they make that mistake. But it's such a difficult balance; they will have to be wary of it. And then the other side, of course, you know, the big thing as we've talked about with a couple of the other clubs, is they have this, in particular, this one really big asset in Keane Lewis-Potter. They will want to keep him. I think uh, Ajani Lajali said to uh, to Leon a couple of weeks ago he, he wouldn't sell him for £30 million. Pounds. Um, so there's clearly a determination to keep him. But, you know, you, the, the, the flip side is, we all know you don't want to keep an unhappy player either. So they've got to... They've got to tread carefully with that one. Jacob Greaves might also be in demand. It might be with him that perhaps it's a, perhaps he, some clubs feel he, need an, he needs another season. But I would think there'll be some bids for him. Um, so yeah, if they can if they can keep those guys, obviously that is massive for them. And I say if they can if they can keep that spirit, which was sort of famously forged in a pre-season trip to Edinburgh. Before the before the League One promotion season, and that they've really fed off that to sort of punch above their weight, uh, particularly particularly last season when times are hard. They, they mustn't they mustn't destroy that chemistry, but they do need better players on top of it because you know the league table tells you that, and, and they will have an owner or they do have an owner who won't settle for that that league position again. He's a he's an ambitious guy. He will expect them to be pushing towards the playoffs whether that's realistic or not. You've just got to get that balance, Stuart, you, you, you spot on there. They've got the core, still got a, a good core of players from you know the, the Grant McCann days and getting back to the to the Championship at the first time of Ascot and having a, having a remarkable season a couple of years ago. And, and they went, I think it was more in, all the more impressive because they went through the adversity of going down the season before and you know licking the wounds and, and coming back straight away. You know, they got some big players there, you know, the likes of, you know, the likes of Honeyman, um, you know, Doherty, obviously one or two of those, um, you know, has left now, like the, the Smallwood and, and Tommy's, they've just got to keep that core and then um, add to it um, 
with, with some quality. And I think I think they're probably the USP of, of the hull owners that they know the, the, the Turkish market extremely well. And it is a decent, to be fair, it is a decent level, and it can be shrewd and strategic and get getting some players, quality players there that they think will fit into the demands of the championship. If they can do that, add to what they've got already. We've men, you know, you mentioned um, you know Greaves and, and, and Lewis Potter and that core of players, and have that chemistry in the dressing room. Then yeah, they'll they'll be thinking they can be they can have a, have a better season. I mean, I spoke about earlier that I think there's potential for one or two teams to come out of the pack. I'm not saying for one minute that Hull are definitely going to be one of those, but you know they'll, they'll have the sights on certainly having a. Having a, a better season, they'll have seen what Huddersfield did last year on the back of some excellent recruitment the year before Barnsley. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who, who actually comes in um, at Hull, obviously from, from Turkey, and how they fare and how they adapt to Championship football. So, because if they you know adapt quickly, um, yeah, they could get some momentum and, and things can um, build from there. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they certainly won't suffer for lack of ambition, and I, I really don't think they're going to suffer for lack of investment. Um, and, and but what does encourage me is the way that they, they they obviously came in very late in the window. Then you own us; it was a bit of a rush. But the way they treated the January transfer market, having come in at, at such short notice, then they could have gone bang, bang, bang and played Championship manager and signed quite a few Turkish players then, but. Uh, they were they were sensible. They, they they brought in one player from Turkey, but the the rest came in from England. Uh, I think I think all of, all of the rest came in from England from memory with that sort of experience. So they are, are conscious of the fact that you know it, it it is difficult for any player to come from the continent and and settle in to English football, which is so you know idiosyncratic in the in the way it's played so you you really don't want to overdo trying to settle in too many at once but as i say I, I am encouraged by the fact that they they showed in january that they have an appreciation of that so i don't think they're going to fall into all the traps that you maybe worry about when a when a foreign owner comes in and starts throwing the checkbook around i, I think i think before he came in probably if you spoke to some people anyway they'd be, they'd be saying oh well by Come September, there'll be sort of eight Turkish players in the in the in the Championship who are all sorry in the first eleven who are all grossly overpaid. Well, I don't think that, I don't think they're going to go down that route. I don't think they're going to rip up what they've got. Um, but it, it is a really difficult formula formula to strike right. And if they if they do it, as Leon says, there is the real possibility. You know, we saw last season with Huddersfield and Luton, and this is the big encouragement for Rotherham that you know. Even even now, there is still a place for well-run clubs to to punch above their weight in the championship. And if if Hull can combine being well-run with some good investment, well, that's an, that's an obvious um, that's an obvious recipe for success. So fingers crossed for them. And uh, now we turn our attention to the Premier League. And now that the dust has settled on Leeds United's great escape. Uh, preparations for the new season are already underway with confirmation of the signing of Brendan Aronson for £25 million and the Whites are being strongly linked with another Red Bull Salzburg player in the form of Rasmus Christensen. Uh, with speculation still rife over the futures of both Calvin Phillips and Rafinha um, and the likely long-term injuries to Stuart Dallas and Luke Ayling, will Victor Orta be under pressure to seal more deals over the coming weeks, Stuart? 
now it'll definitely be under pressure to do, to do more. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think even before even before those injuries you talked about to Dallas and Ailing, it was clear that that squad needed needed more depth and and more quality after last season. And you know, we were very close to seeing a bit of mutiny at the end of last season, just just towards the end of that Brighton game, uh, just before Leeds equalised the the chance of sack the board were really starting to uh, to get going there is there is some frustration with the Leeds fans about the way the way their club has been run particularly with regards to recruitment i mean it's, it's actually a bit of a mixed picture because Orta's record with signing senior players hasn't been great but at the same time he has signed Gelhard and Greenwood and Bates and all these under 23 players who who really look promising for the future but nevertheless, the, the sort of headline signings, the big ones since they've got in the Premier League, with the exception of Rafinha, who's obviously been a, a brilliant signing, haven't been great. So um, there will be pressure for him to, to get it right. I'm encouraged by the fact that they moved so quickly with Aronson. That was obviously one that was teed up, a bit like we were saying with Jed Spence. If if we uh, if we stay in the Premier League, can we go ahead at this price? And then as soon as they have them, bang, that that's over the line. But yeah, the, the, there's a lot more to do, and the quicker they can do it, the more it will put uh, put minds at rest. Because um, yeah, they, they they obviously don't want to spend the final day of next season worrying about relegation and going through everything they did uh, they did this year. And to to avoid that, they are going to need more depth and more quality. Um, in anticipation of their first season back in League One, um, Barnsley is still searching for their new manager. Although Chief Executive uh, Khaled El Ahmed has said they are now down to the final five candidates. Um, with the estimated income drop of around £7 million as a result of being relegated, uh, the chairman has suggested that player sales might be needed to fill that shortfall. Um, how do you see the next few weeks panning out, Leon? Well, I, th- I think, first of all, you've got to give um, credit to the board. They've the sort of r- recognised it's going to be a £7 or £8 million pound shortfall from relegation for for Barnsley. I, w- I went to the a press conference the other day for the uh, unveiling of the new the new chairman, Niemav Bakef, and yeah, he spoke very sensibly, and um, you know, it's it's about deeds as well as words, and they've recognised that, you know, a little bit of a you know, problem with the finances during this during the summer. Obviously, they've lost the the revenue from from dropping out of the championship, putting an initial a million pounds to um, you know help with with running costs um, and the like. And I think I think also as well, it was it provided a little bit of insurance as well. They've had offers for some of the leading players already. Um, you know, no doubt rival clubs. Obviously, saw the situation at Barnsley, and you know, word gets around quickly in football, doesn't it? You know about them having a bit of a bit of a shortfall, but you know that money's given them a little bit of a cushion that they don't have to take the first bids on offer for some of the, you know, the, the star players. So they've not those not those back. Um, I mean, there's talk as well that if they have to put you know a bit more money in further in the in the summer, that they'll do that as well to provide them with you know even more insurance so the, you know, the talk was you know if, if player if there are acceptable bids for some of the some of the key players there will be they will be sold that's the that's the bottom line no bones about it and you know that's that's fair enough really isn't it and they've got quite a few 
of the leading players who, who were out of contract next um, uh, next summer. But there was also talk as well that you know if, if the offers aren't you know they're drastically below the value that Barnsley see see the players at that they'll that they'll turn them down and, and you know have them in in the side for for the season and potentially go for free next next um, summer. So. We'll we'll have to see on that. I mean, there's all that. I mean, first of all, they've got to get a new head coach in as well, and the talk of bringing one in by the time that um, by the middle of the month, the 13th of, of June was the date, or if not for that, it'll be for the start of pre-season, which is I think that's something like the, the, the 20th. So that'll be the the big thing for the uh, for the board at the minute. Down to five five candidates, possibly one more from what. I've what I've been told. Um, obviously, Michael Duff had been very open about the the fact that they've spoken to him, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank as well. There's one or two other left-field candidates uh, as well. They've spoken to a hell of, hell of a lot already, various um, variety as well, some young up-and-coming coaches, some ones with a bit more experience, and some at the, the senior end as well. So, yeah, it's um, going to be a big decision in terms of who they... Who they go for, and there's going to be some, um, you know, incomings and, and outcomings. I would suspect that there'll there'll have to be some outcomings first. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously trying to be very thorough, um, which is it's good to see on on the on the one hand. But you know, you think back to last year, and and it was a bit of a scramble with shop coming in so close to the start of pre-season. So you you would. You would hope that they. It's a mess, wasn't they, it? Yeah. It was. So you would hope at the very least they make they meet that June thirteenth deadline of their own, if not earlier, because you know there's always the possibility they might they might hit upon who the, who their you know who their preferred candidate is. I don't know two days before pre-season starts, and then unexpectedly he gets cold feet or gets a better offer or what have you, and and you miss the start of pre-season, which they really don't, they really can't afford another rerun of last season's sort of, uh, or last pre-season's build-up. So, yeah, I, I really hope that they can they can crack on and get things nailed down. So you can't be too critical of them of them doing their due diligence. We certainly we certainly would be critical if they hadn't. Um, but it's, it's getting to decision time now because, you know, even in terms of those uh, transfers, Leon, was talking about you wouldn't you wouldn't want to sell a player without running it by the by the new coach first it may, it may still happen but you know ideally you'd like him to have some some input if offers come in and as we've been saying about previous clubs you, you'd like to get players in for the start of pre-season well if you if you're only going to just get the manager in for the start that's going to be difficult so that the sooner they can crack on and get this get this finished and the sooner there's a bit of clarity uh, the better as far as I'm concerned hmm. yeah I think it's quite a smart move you know going public about bringing you know put, injecting some money in, into the club that's yes. probably a little bit of a psychological sign to a lot of clubs who will be looking at Barnsley play, players there and thinking we can get a real bar- bargain here there's going to be a fire sale just sort of that that sort of message to say um you know, we're not going to jump and, and take the first offer, and they've, you know, they've been clearing the fact that you know clubs have have sort of chance chance their arm. They're trying to get a get a bargain, and there's you know even for how bad the season was for Barnsley last season, and, and it was a, a real disaster, wasn't it, on the pitch? You know, it's, don't forget that the year year before they're only a few games away from the from the from the Premier League, and a lot of a lot of the players were capturing 
plenty of attention. You know, like some Mikkel Hellig, Callum Styles, Mads Anderson, um, Carlton Morris. You know, a fair, a fair few more. And so we'll, we'll have to see what you know what transpires in that regard. I mean, there's, there's been links with certain players. You know, Coley Woodrow's been linked to a to a few few clubs. I, I just wonder if if if, if it might be a time for for Corley maybe to, to to move on if Barnsley get an acceptable offer. Then he's one of the highest earners as well at, at Barnsley. So I wouldn't be too surprised if if he moved on at some point in the in the summer. Brad Collins as well. He did he did well in goal uh, last season for Barnsley. But yeah, I, I like the fact that the board have sort of have said, listen, we're not going to sell at the first available offer. We're going to inject some capital in to sort of. Um, cushion ourselves a little bit, and uh, we'll have to see what transpires in the, in the weeks ahead. But they they need to be cracking on with it with the coach now. In the next, you'd like to hope in the by the middle of June that they've got it nailed down. They've got somebody in because there's you know it's 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 been a fair while now. Yeah, and it's not just a message to other clubs, of course. It's a message to their own fans, which is important because yeah. yeah. you know you never want to run a a football club by popular vote, but they do need to. They do need to make sure that the you know the sum total of what they do do this summer gets the fans back on side because you know there'll be some there'll be some even now you know umming and ahhing about whether to get season tickets you know maybe maybe they've got a, a birthday coming up in the next couple of weeks sort of thing and and do I want one do I not want one sort of thing um the, the, it really. Obviously, it it didn't tip the balance, but it it really didn't help them that the that the, the the fan base felt so disconnected from the club last season, and they could really do with with getting them on board with just just doing some of the things that they they'd like to see, you know, playing some of the some of the football they they'd like to see, showing some of the fights that they'd like to see. I think more importantly, and just just making some making some decisions, as we mentioned in previous podcasts, that are actually about football and not solely about money. Um, so there'll, there'll be a lot of there'll be there'll be more eyes on what they're doing now from you know within the fan base than than outside of the club right now, and it, it's a, it's a big summer for them to 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 make the right decisions. I think. Yeah, and I mean, just just a quick one. I mean, there's been a, a perception problem at, at Barnsley, hasn't there, in the in the last years with the you know the former co-chairman Paul Paul Conway and Chenley almost being seen as absent absentee, you know, majority majority shareholders. You know, you barely saw them at Barnsley. You know, uh, the, you know the new ch- chairman's based in Mumbai in India. Um, you know, it was it, it was quick to point out. Look, I've got business, you know, business commitments back home, but I'm going to be at Barnsley every five and six weeks. And he seems he seems a lot more passionate about the about the project. He, he actually wore a Barnsley scarf in the press conference, and I don't think that was necessarily all for show. He seems he seems a genuine guy. He was he was sat next to Jean Crine, the wife of you know former owner Patrick Crine, who's who's obviously been, um, come onto the board. Someone who you know Barnsley's Barnsley's her life, and it was her husband's life, and there's you know, it seems a strong relationship between between the the, the chairman and, and Jean and wanting the best for Barnsley. They, they did they were frank and they said, look, you know, we're going to probably make mistakes along the way, but we genuinely care for the club and, it, and its well-being. And um, obviously, the, I think the big issue with with a lot of supporters, not just in terms of wasn't just in terms of what was happening on the pitch, it was. You know, the direction of the club off the pitch, and you know the owners, 
the perception that the owners really just do not care about Barnsley. It's just one of their portfolio of clubs and, um, you know, no real interest in the club apart from it being a, a, you know, a cash cow, really. So, you know, hopefully Barnsley have got, um, regardless of what happens on the pitch, they've got people who care for the club and will hopefully make the right decisions and get the, get it back on a on an even keel, even though, you know, I think I think the main, main the bones about it, they'll probably will make some mistakes along the way, but probably honest mistakes. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it'd be it'd be great to see Barnsley playing, you know, Danny Wilson football again, but I think the most important thing for supporters is that they can see people, as Leon says, on and off the field who really care and, and really graft and put you know, show the passion and, and I think I think that was I think that was some of the criticism of some of the players um last season that, you know, whether it was true or not. The fans were looking at some of those players, thinking, "I'm not sure you're you're fully committed to it," and they were certainly looking at the ownership and thinking, "You're not you're not fully committed to it." And they need to they need to let's say get the fans on on side by by showing that they are in this for for the right reasons, not as as Leon says, is just another arm of their business. And uh, preparing, uh, preparing for life in League Two are Doncaster Rovers, who have announced the departure of midfielder John Bostock. On the positive side, however, Harrison Biggins has joined Donny on a two-year deal after leaving Fleetwood Town. Um, Leon, do you see Doncaster being able to bounce straight back at all? Oh, that's a that's a six million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, obviously it was Bost, John Bostock. First of all, we've spoken about him, you know, in previous podcasts. At his best, he's a lovely footballer to watch. He could control a game, but I, I sort of. Um, in terms of if Doncaster would have kept him, I think it would have taken a fair bit of the budget. And I just thought to myself, as nice a player as, as Bostock is on his game, his, his injury record isn't great. I just thought maybe he was a bit of a luxury at, at, at League Two level, where it can be you know very physical, you know three games a week, especially the pitches getting bad in in, in the winter months. And I don't think it's too actually too bad a thing what's what's happened with no disrespect to, to Boscoff, who on his day is a good player. But can that can that money in the budget be better served, you know, elsewhere? And the budget won't be a massive one at Doncaster. I don't think anyone's made any bones about that. So hopefully they can maybe get a few other players in with the the money that they did earmarked for Bostock. And there was there was reference in the in his departure saying you know James Coppinger, the the head of Head of football operations there, you know, you mentioned the fact they've got Biggins in, who's a mid, who's a central midfielder. They've got Ben um, Ben Close, who was obviously injured for much of the second half of last season. They've got Tommy Rowe. They've got Adam Clayton, so they're they're not without sort of seniority in in the midfield there. It'll yeah, it, it, I have to wait and see what who else they can they can bring in. Obviously, McSheffrey was wanting to keep Bostock and central to the way he was playing but I'm not sure um, how many sort of pure football insides get out to, of, of League 2 playing that way so I, I think I think it's not too bad a thing Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with the, I'd agree with all of that and say particularly his injury record meant that they weren't really getting getting full value out of someone who, as Leon says, it's not that he's a bad player but um, you know when your budgets are tight you've really got to get to uh, Got to get the got to get the most out of people. I mean, at, at this juncture, I wouldn't be optimistic about Doncaster Rovers bouncing straight back. But we've still got a full f- transfer window ahead of us. You know, we've got 
you've got an unproven director of football in James Coppinger and an unproven uh, coach in Gary McSheffrey. But, you know, the fact that they're unproven, that means they could be brilliant. You know, uh, we just don't know which way it's going to go. So um, we'll have to wait and see. But I think I think there is I think there is a lot of work to do. Banged on on this podcast before about how I feel they need more. They need more leadership and more sort of um, grit to help the younger players that they have. Um, but as Leon says, there's been money freed up in the budget now. If they could, if they can spend it wisely, uh, then that could that could change. You know, uh, certainly my perception of uh, of how they fare next season. But but there is a lot to do. Yeah, I mean they've had the best part of a year and a half, haven't they, Stuart? Of a, a bit of a losing culture. I mean they've had the odd um, sort of good result here and there, but I just think they need to get the fundamentals in first of all, making Doncaster more consistent. Aside when they don't go, but when they go behind, don't just sort of you know fall away and invariably lose. Um, become harder to beat at home, you know. And, and improve away from home as well. They've got so much to do. I think it's a it's a really a big ask for them to to turn it round in the space of in the space of twelve twelve months. And obviously with a with a manager who's um, you know he's spoken well in his, in his interviews, Gary McSheffrey, since he's come to the club. But he's still not he still needs a bit more wool on his back, doesn't he, in a managerial regard? So I think all things considered, it's a big ask to expect Doncaster to um, to go straight back up. You know, you, you just got to hope realistically that if the, you know in the maybe you know in the top six, top eight mix going into the second half of the season, and you never know, but they need to just just sort of consolidate and stop the um, stop the rot first of all. Yeah, I mean, when you've got a losing culture like that, it ju- it just needs disinfecting. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. one of the one of the things that doesn't make me so optimistic for Doncaster was the fact that McSheffrey was talking about not much change was needed. You know, he got the bulk yeah. of the squad he was happy with. Now, that may just prove to be talk anyway. You know, that that might be him not showing his hand. But I, I, I do think they need a turnover of players just just to freshen things up, even if it's getting a player out and getting a player of equal ability in yeah. who is, hasn't been part of that losing culture. Um, I just think that's what they need to do. And say, hopefully, um, yeah. whilst it's not what they wanted, losing Bostock might sort of force them into that position by taking out one of the players they did want, freeing up some money and, you know, making it possible to do that. But um, yeah, it's yeah. too early It's too early to judge Coppinger and, yeah. uh, and McSheffrey at this point. So hopefully they can uh, they can do better than we're expecting. Well, we spoke about regularly last season, didn't we? It's, it's what happens between... Uh, it's what happens in both boxes. You know, Doncaster yes. concede too many silly goals and they didn't score enough at the other end. And... And by hell, if there's a division watch, which, which is all about both boxes, it's League Two, isn't it? Sometimes it doesn't really matter what what sort of goes on goes on in between. Really, it's it's keeping them out and scoring them at the at the other end. And um, you know that, that's that's what it's um, all about. And you look, you know, you did look at Doncaster for spells last season. They were they were sort of easy on the eye. They'd stroke it around sometimes in the in the middle of the pitch, but um, doesn't really get your results. Does that in League Two? And uh, following Sheffield Wednesday's playoff defeat to Sunderland, they announced that Saido Barahino and uh, defenders Sam Hutchinson and Shea Dunkley uh, have been released at the end of their contract. Um, there's also a rumour that Darren Moore is interested in Rotherham's out-of-contract Michael Smith. Um, Stuart, how do you see the coming weeks progressing for the Owls? Well, it does seem to be, you know, it's not just Michael Smith, there's uh, Paddy O'Connor, there's a few 
sort of um, players from the region uh, who Wednesday have been linked with. And I'm kind of encouraged by the fact that they're, they're looking at players who have got a track record at, at, at this sort of level. I mean, Smith played, has played in the championship, but he's obviously, he's obviously shown he knows what league one's about. Uh, Connor kind of played there with Bradford, I think. Um, I think they need to think along those lines. I think it's difficult sometimes when a big club comes down, they, they kind of, sometimes look to sign players for a couple of years down the line. But I think as Sunderland eventually showed, by the time they got promoted, it was when they finally got their head around the fact that they needed, essentially, League One players. So I think to, to see them link with Smith, who was outstanding you know, in League One last season for Rotherham, obviously Rotherham will, will, will want to keep him. And you know, I would think from Smith's point of view, he'll want to be showing that he can... Uh, transfer what he can do to the championship but but I am encouraged by the fact that they are thinking along those lines you know I've said said in the past um you know last season the big signing was was Lee Gregory who, who again had played in the championship but but wasn't kind of one of the glamour signings that they made they need to be sort of pragmatic in in the players they get in uh, and I think if they're thinking along those lines uh again as we said with other clubs having having narrowly missed out in the playoff semi-finals I think there is the foundation there if they if they add make a few sensible additions to kick on um so yeah I, I, I'm on the on the one hand uh I'm I'm sort of a bit disappointed for Rotherham that Smith's been linked with Sheffield Wednesday but from a Wednesday perspective I'm pleased that that's the that's the sort of player that they seem to be looking at yeah. I think they'll need a, a fair bit to do defensively as well, Stuart. You, you look at yes. them. Obviously, Peacock Farrell's gone back to um, gone back to Burnley. Um, obviously, they had Harley Dean. Um, story from from Preston. Jay um, Dunkley's you know left as well. So I think they're going to have to be conscious of getting that sort of you know Sam Hutchinson. Yeah, Sam Hutchinson as well. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, just getting the getting that get that back four and that. That keeping the sort of back door shut as well as as long as you know obviously they could do with another you know striking option but you know for me I think that's as big a priority as anything really just sorting out that that back line because you know when you play Sheffield we was mentioned it before in in, in the podcast especially when you go away from home you know it, it's a cup final game against Sheffield Wednesday you know, you know a lot of the a lot of the small, smaller clubs that they're facing, you know, they're going to be throwing throwing stuff into the box. The crowd's going to be um, behind home teams in tight stadiums. You need to have a you need to have a strong backline, and the, you know they've done well in that regard in the in the second half of the season. But they're going to have to build a basically another another defence almost. So that's going to be a big one for Darren Moore as well, because as well as he did and he did do well, he deserves credit for what happened last season. Even though obviously it ended disappointingly against Sunderland. It's going to be there's going to be more pressure and expectation next season, and he'll need a, he'll need a good start. Uh, and in League Two, Bradford City can continue to develop the squad with news that Ryan East, Matthew Platt, uh, and Matthew Platt have joined the Bantams, and midfielder Levi Sutton has extended his contract by a further two years, um, despite losing 16-year-old Sahil Bashir to Brighton. Mark Hughes' team seem well-placed uh, for starting pre-season in a few weeks, Leon. Yeah, they've been proactive, haven't they? I mean, they ended the season on the pitch, got a few results, didn't they? It'd been, you know, let's be honest, it'd been, an, it'd been an awful, really underwhelming campaign. You know, we all had high 
high hopes that they brought in, you know, Derek Adams, a serial promotion winner, if you like, at, at that level. And it just never really happened, did it, for what, for whatever reason, well, several reasons, really. But, uh, yeah, Hughes has come in a huge name for, for League 2, let's, let's, let's sort of face it. And, you know, end of the season reasonably well. And they've, they've, had, a, they've had a sort of a, a, a good May, if you like. They've, been, they've brought five players in, a few re-signings as well. Um, obviously, uh, Levi Sutton this week, Leon Gell. Uh, early in early in May, Matty Folds as well. There's one or two others that have offered deals deals to as well. We'll have to see what happens there. And I, I don't think the recruitment's finished yet yet either. So, you know, for those Bradford fans, sort of, we're talking about you know season tickets and the like, mulling mulling over things. They'll have, you would have liked like to hope that they'll see see some positivity this this past month. So, you know, cause it's going to be. You know, a massive season for Bradford. They've got the manager. You know, they've brought a few players in, and you know they really need to to hit the ground running. And they are the, the sort of club that if they can get get some early momentum, it can hopefully you know snowball and really fuel them for for a promotion drive. But yeah, it's been encouraging what's happened um, so far at Bradford. Although they're probably, given the events of last season, needed to do something like that. Yeah, like like all, it's it's an exciting summer ahead. You know, the the fans will be you know uh, eagerly checking the newspapers and the websites all summer long to see what's going on, and and you know they'll be encouraged by the fact that they they have got some decent looking business done early. I mean, it's the hope that kills you, but um, there is genuine reason reason for hope. You know, they they do look as though um, though they're a club that are really geared up to give it give it a good go. Um, in the, in the coming season. Yeah. And finally for this week, uh, it looks to be a busy close season for Harrogate Town with eight players out of contract. Um, former York City goalkeeper Pete Jameson has signed for town. Uh, manager Simon Weaver suggested that they are also close to signing a centre-back if... Ha- uh, to signing a centre-back. Um, if Harrogate are to improve on last season's performance, it looks like they will need to bring in quite a few more players, Stuart. It just feels like a real season of transition. You know, it feels like the first couple of seasons, there was quite a lot of justified loyalty to the players who had brought them up from non-league and now feels like the year where they're really trying to kick on, on and off the field. There's, you know, big £3.5 million investment to improve things off the field. As you say, they've got Jameson in. They're talking about a centre-back. It's obvious where they need to strengthen. There was there was only Oldham and Scunthorpe, the two teams relegated, where Oldham conceded as many goals and only Scunthorpe conceded more last season. So they really do need to need to sort things out defensively. But it it, it does feel like a bit of a, a bit of a reset summer for for Harrogate. So yeah, I do I do feel as though we'll see we'll see quite a few changes. You know, we might even see more players leaving on top of those that have been released. Um, and yeah, we, we we wait to see what it throws up. You know, we've got they've got a manager there who's who's shown what he's capable of. You know, he's he's earned the patience that he's had. Now it's over him over to him to sort of get this get this overhaul right. And so, sometimes overhauling a team and creating a you know a second winning team or whatever can be can be one of the one of the hardest jobs for for managers. So uh, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, Simon Weaver manages to get uh, get the right balance and get things uh, get things sorted out there. YorkshirePost.co.uk
Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshaw, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.